you know, I can only grow in self-control in the presence of the cookies. Like, the cookies have got to be there. Well, for me, it'd be the bacon. But anyway, whatever's good for you. Like, you can only grow in self-control in the presence of the cookies. If you're always indulging in the cookies, you cannot grow in self-control. So, my point is, everybody, I want you to think of that one commandment that God issued. It was a source of life. But what the serpent was trying to say and get them to think is, oh, it's a constraint. It's a chain. It's holding you back. Now, notice how Eve responds. She says to the serpent, well, God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. See what she did? If you're one of those people that like to circle in your Bible, circle that phrase, nor shall you touch it. God never said, nor shall you touch it. What has Eve done here? She has added to God's commandment with a commandment of her own. Whereas there was one commandment, now there is two. Eve was being very religious. I mean, what is it about the religious mindset where we always want to add, we want to pile on commandments on top of God's commandments? It's like, well, you know, the Bible says we should only help those who help themselves. The Bible does not say that. You should know this. You know that. I remember, um, this might apply, I can remember my grandmother telling me a story when she was a teenager, and it was the day her father, she says, was pacing the floor of the house for hours just kind of rubbing his hands like this, because unbeknownst to him, she decided with some friends of hers to go to the downtown movie theater that had just opened. And he was pacing the floor for hours while she was gone because he knew God said, you shall not watch movies. (laughs) Now, did God say that? No. Now, I will say, are there some movies that we should not watch? Well, absolutely, but we have to be careful. If you do not know God's word, what will happen is that you will add things to God's word that God did not say that you think God said. And so what the serpent does here is he seizes on this. Ooh, oh, Eve made that up. God never said you shouldn't touch it. Well, maybe the other commandment that God actually issued was made up too. Maybe that's all human invention as well. Oh, come on, Eve. You're not going to die if you touch it. You're going to be like God. You're going to know good from evil, just like God. Don't you want to be like God? And right here, everybody, we have the first appearance in the Bible of the vice of envy, covetousness. There's a relative of mine. He was in the advertising industry. He said this a long time ago. He says that the serpent here was the very first marketer in the Bible. You know, it's like, hey, there's something you don't have, and you got to have it, or otherwise your life will not be complete. He's marketing. And, and what he's doing is he's saying, hey, you, you, you're, you, you are being deprived. God's depriving you of the knowledge that God has. You need to be like God. You should be able to, to determine what's good from evil. You should be able to determine what's right from wrong. Follow your instincts. You don't need God for that. You can decide what's good from evil. And the thing is, everybody... Adam and Eve, if you put this in the context, they were already like God. How? They were already made 
in the image of God. But here's what the serpent did. The serpent tempted Eve to think that the very God who created her and Adam, who loved them into being, the God in whom they lived and moved and had their being, was somehow this rival out to get them, trying to compete for their own space, that God was somehow a restraint, you know, an impediment to their own freedom. And what the serpent is trying to say is, hey, Eve, Adam, you should be your own people. Be your own person. Break loose from the chains of this God. You should be able to determine the course of your life. You choose. Be free. i got to tell you, the church has been doing battle with this notion for centuries. I'm doing battle with it now. I can't tell you the number of people that I talk to, especially young people around college age, high school. Maybe some of us have thought this before. That we have this idea that, that God is up in the clouds, and what God is, he's a puppet master, kind of hanging over you. He's a control freak. And if you try to live your life for God, what is he, he going to do? He's going he's to hold you back, and he is going to limit your freedom. This is a myth. This is a myth. And I will say this. I don't have time to really go into this. This is going to be my mantra as long as I'm here. But everybody, we've got to understand, we've got to tell these young people that the more we are living our life in sync with who God is, we are not less free. We are actually freer than we can possibly be. Now, there was a, a, a pilot I talked to several years ago, maybe four years ago. I got this fear of flying. It's kind of irrational. I, I don't see how anybody relaxes on a plane. But I remember he, uh, he was talking to me about my fear of flying, and he said this. This was really interesting. He said, Shane, you got to remember that a plane is happiest when it's in the air. And I said, why? He says, because it was designed to fly. It's not very happy when it's on the ground. Now, what's my point here? Everybody, when we are living our life according to God's commandments, putting our lives in sync with God, we are going to be happiest. Why? Because we were designed to live our lives according to God's Word. God will only enhance us. You know, we don't want to be plain saying, I'm just going to take the express lane on 77. I'm not going to fly. No, we were created. It would be a disaster to be on the express lane in a plane. Right? We were created to live our lives in sync with God. It is not, God is not the diminishment of our freedom. So Adam and Eve, ah, they were already free. But what the serpent does is he tricks them to exchange their freedom for slavery. Slavery to what? The clue is in the passage. What happens? Eve saw that the tree was good for food. Mm. And that it was a delight to the eyes. Oh. And she took the fruit and ate it yummy and gave it to Adam. Now remember, Adam is with her, so don't think this is all Eve's fault. Adam could have spoken up. So, thinking that they were going to be free, what happened? The serpent made them slaves to their bodily impulses. And that is the paradox of the human condition. 
we're all going to be servants. All of us in here are servants to something. Can't help it. And the scriptures say we're either going to be the servants to God in which lies our freedom, we're enhanced, we're living according to our design, or we are going to be servants to our bodily impulses, which then leads to addiction, and that addiction leads to slavery. The serpent got Adam and Eve to live by the commandments of their bodily appetites, and it did not bring life. It brought death. Now, skip down a little bit. A couple more points. I want you to notice what happens next. God comes into the garden. He's walking in the garden. He's looking for Adam and Eve. Where are you? Adam says, I'm afraid. I left you. That's exactly what sin will do to you. If you live in sin, you're afraid from God. You'll run away from Him. If you're in a life of sin, you need to be running towards Him. But sin will make you run away. And then God asks, Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Friends, what could Adam and Eve have done in this moment? They could have confessed their sin. God in this moment was trying to become the first confessor. And if they would have confessed their sin to God, there would have been repentance. There would have been forgiveness. There would have been mercy. God loves it when we confess our sins to Him. But nope, 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 nope. What happens? What does Adam say? I didn't do anything. She made me do it. And then what does Eve say? I didn't do anything. The serpent made me do it. This is another sermon for another day. But I'm going to tell you, We are always very good at always trying to become the victim of somebody else's actions and never taking responsibility for ourselves. It's right here. It starts right here. But they could have confessed their sins, everybody. They could have done it. Nope, nope. So what happens next? God's response. First, there are going to be consequences for their actions. That's logical. I mean, if I smash into your car, you can forgive me for it, but you still got a smashed car. And then Adam, as a consequence, he would labor tilling the soil. And then Eve would labor in childbirth. And and yet, I want you to notice on the very last verse how God ultimately responds. What does he do? He takes these garments of skin and he hid their shame, their nakedness, by clothing them. God here performs the very first act of charity in the Bible. He responds to someone's vulnerability and pain with this grace. He's being so charitable. And this moment will establish who God will be for the rest of the Bible. That wherever our sin abounds, God's grace will abound all the more. Last thing I'll say is that in the, uh, in the ancient church, there was a saying about this story, and I, I titled my sermon after this little expression of the ancient church. They called this sin of Adam and Eve a happy fault. A happy fault. And here was their definition of why. It's a happy fault what happened here because a sin so great merited for the world so great a redeemer it was because of this rebellion 
of Adam and Eve against God, that God chooses in His divine will that the day will come where I will become a human being like them and I will be their Redeemer. It is a happy fault. God clothed Adam and Eve in a garment of skin, but the day would come in the fullness of time when God would be clothed in a garment of skin, taking the flesh of a new Eve, the Virgin Mary, and would become for us a new Adam, Jesus Christ. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree, and it brought death into the world. But if any of us eat of the new tree, on which hangs the fruit of Mary's womb, the body of Jesus Christ, if any eat of that fruit, it will not bring death. It will bring everlasting life. Praise be Jesus Christ. In response to God's Word this morning, I invite you to stand as we affirm our faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. seated. I invite you now to center your hearts and your minds as we go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, you are the Lord of life, and what you have created is good. Thank you for the gift of life, for the work of our hands, the fruit of our labor, the gift 
of Sabbath rest, the blessing of your presence. God, may we never take for granted that you are the Lord of all creation. And therefore, help us to live each day as grateful people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we thank you for the freedom and for the boundaries you give us in life, both of which bring us closer in our relationship with you. Give us faith that it might be planted, that it would take root, that it would bear fruit in your kingdom as we live to follow Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray today, God, for those individuals, those families, those communities who've been impacted by and who stand in the path of Hurricane Dorian. Lord, we pray for your shield of protection of life and livelihoods. We pray for those devastated by fires in the Amazon rainforest and seek forgiveness for the damage we bring to your creation. We lift up those who grieve the loss of loved ones in shootings in Texas, right here in Charlotte as well. God, show us ways that, that we can be the body of Christ for those who hurt, weeping with those who weep, reaching out to share Christ's love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer, Lord, for our church, for the ministries of our congregation, especially the ministry of Bags of Hope, God, as we continue to pray for students and teachers and staff this new school year, we particularly lift up those children who experience food insecurity, which makes performance in school all the more difficult. So God, bless Bags of Hope, along with all ministries that seek to share the love of Jesus with your little ones. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray this morning for all those suffering from illness and brokenness, from injustice and loneliness, for those burdened by guilt or by the lack of forgiveness. And as is our tradition, we lift aloud now our own concerns into this space as we pray for Loving God, thank you that in your mercy, the mercy of our Savior Jesus Christ, you do hear our prayers. And so help us live, Lord, as grateful people, thankful for the blessings of life that we have received in him, in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. We continue our worship now with the giving of our tithes and our offerings, and we invite the ushers forward.
Gracious God, your generosity overflows. Accept these our gifts so that with your blessing we may use them to proclaim Christ in our community and beyond. Amen. As you remain standing, I invite you to join me in our great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, 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 holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread. He gave thanks to you, Almighty God. He broke the bread, he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup. He gave thanks to you, God, and he said, drink from this, all of you. He gave it to his disciples, and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ Christ has died. Christ Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray together the words that Jesus himself taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and power, and the glory forever. Amen. As we remain standing, I invite you to take just a moment and turn to your neighbor and offer them signs of love and reconciliation and pass the peace of Jesus Christ. Peace of Christ be with you. Peace of Christ be with you. Peace of Christ be with you. Peace of Christ be with you.
Mr. Kais be with you. You may be seated. Because there is one loaf, we though many are one in Christ Jesus. When we break this bread, this is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks this morning is a sharing in the blood of Christ given to us for our forgiveness. We will share in the Lord's Supper this morning by intention. That means we will give you a piece of bread. We will invite you to dip it into the juice. Uh, Afterwards, you may come to the altar and pray for as long as you need to pray. We also have uh, gluten-free elements as well. We'll have them available for you. For those who desire that, we'll have that available behind the baptismal font. And so we invite you to come. Uh, The table is, is open and ready and open to all.